What's better than one oncologist? Two. What's better than one oncologist? Two. What is better than one oncologist? Two. Hi, I'm Dr. Finifolu Balogun. Hi, I'm Dr. Oninye Balogun. We are the, the Onc Docs. Cancer is rising worldwide, and it's nearly impossible to find someone who has not been affected by this disease. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories of those affected by cancer and educating the general public about this disease. In this episode of the Onc Docs, we talk with Ms. Sherlanda Jones, a 15-year stage 3 cervical cancer survivor. She talks about her journey from diagnosis through treatment and finally finding her voice as a cervical cancer advocate. Hi, my name is Sherlanda Jones. I'm 45 years old and I'm from Chicago. I am a 15-year cervical cancer survivor. And I say survivor because that's exactly what I did. Having cancer was scary. I was 30. I was in a wonderful relationship. I had just gotten a new job. Everything was great. We were discussing marriage. Um, I had just found out that I was pregnant. It was, you know, everything was great. Started feeling some issues, went to the doc, and ended up having a miscarriage. So I, um, of course, the the girl I was working with, uh, she was like, no, we got to go to the emergency room. Come on, we got to go. So we go. She's like, I got all your stuff. You just go. So go over. Um, And I told her, I was like, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And she was like, okay, come on. So we're going back. um, And there's blood everywhere. So she gets on the phone. She's like, yeah, I got a miscarriage. So I'm crying. Um, I'm just just like, okay, I can't you know, believe what's going on. And she was like, okay, let, let, come on. So she's holding my hand. She's like, okay, baby, let's come on. We can, like the nurse was just, oh, my God. The nurse that I had was phenomenal. She held my hand. She talked me through everything. She was like, look, baby, you're going to have my babies. We're going to get you, but we got to get you through this. She's like, come on. So they did everything, and she's like, okay, now we need to do a pass me, we need to clean you, we need to do a DNC. She, I mean, she's giving me all the information that she needs to do, everything she needs to do. So I'm like, okay, cool. So they do that, and she was like, okay. She's like, okay, I got some, something going on here. Hold on. So she does a little swab. She does a little scraping. She says, um, I have to send everything to the lab. And she said, this is normal. This is what we do. She said, we just want to make sure that we clean everything out. Everything's good. So when she looks in the microscope, she just gives this little perplexed look. Again, I'm 30. So she gives a perplexed look, and it's like, okay, what? Oh, nothing. We're not worrying about it because I guess, you know, at certain times when people go through things like that, they can hemorrhage. You know, they could go through when you hyperventilate and you go through all of that stuff. She's like, oh, nothing. We're good. No worries. Okay, well, of course, you know, that's what you're supposed to say. Then, after the fact is when you find out 
whatever, whatever. And then it's like, well, why didn't you say anything at that moment? Well, now I realize that's not something that you say at that at that time at that moment. That could change things drastically. So it's like, no, and that's a bad fat manner. You know, that's that. No, we need to take care of everything and do what we need to do, but we also need to be honest and real with you. And so she was real honest. She was like, look, we're going to take some tests. We're going to run some stuff. Um, I'm not going to say anything right now because I don't want to scare you. I'm not going to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. She was like, I don't know. So we'll do this. We're going to fix you up. We'll send you home. We're going to see you back in two days. And then she sent me a message and she was like, hey, can you come by on your lunch? Sure. So I go up, she comes, and the one thing I love about her, she's very, I'm not going to BS you, I'm not going to play games with you, I'm not, this is what it is. And I can appreciate that. And she was like, um, we found some things, but it's treatable, it's something we can fix. It's something we can do something about. It's not dire. So she gave me some pamphlets and some things to read over. And she was like, now you go home, talk it over with your family, talk it over with, you know, and then you let me know what you want to do. And I went home. And I cried. And I sat there and I cried some more. And I drank. <laughs> I drank. I was like, well, hey. I sat there. I prayed. And thought about it. And um, two years prior to that, I lost my dad. I was like, well, let me, uh, let me get myself together. Let me, let me, let me do this. Because I'm, like, for me, there's no alternative. You know, not, not, Fighting, not doing it is not an option. You know, I was like, I thought about my mom. She raised six kids. You know, not not fighting is not an option. Like that's not that's not an option. So I talked to Dr. Hyman. She was like, okay, we can do this. It was six in the morning, twenty minutes. Go back, change, start work, do what I needed to do. Then if I needed to do um, anything else, it was like, you know, I'm going to take my lunch or I'm going to be gone for the rest of the day. Go up to six, do the chemo, go home, take a nap, rest, start over the next day. So... Now, I, I think about that now, and I think to myself, I was crazy. <laughs> I was nuts to think that I could do that by myself. Like, I'm not a superwoman. I was nuts to think. But when you have adrenaline pumping and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I got no choice. When, when you're faced with no other choices, you, you do what you got to do. So I did what I had to do. The boyfriend and I broke up. Um, that was my doing. I never told him. Um, we had some other issues and he wanted a family and I was scared. Now I'm scared. And that was one of the biggest things that he wanted. And I was like, yeah, I don't know that I can give this to him. 
I don't want to tie him up in something and then I can't do this and I can't do that. And so we broke up. Years later, I told him, of course, he was serious because he was like, you should have trusted me enough to tell me. You're more important than any kid we could have ever had. You should have trusted. And I agree. You know, I own that. In hindsight, you think about things and you say, yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, I firmly believe that that is why I am as strong as I am now. Because I did do that. And so um, it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago, there was a young lady who we were past acquaintances. She was cool with somebody else I knew. And she was diagnosed. And she was going through all these things. And she asked me to help her do this fundraiser. And so we ended up being on the phone for like two hours. So at the end of the conversation, she's like, so, uh, how long have you been cancer-free? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I hear all the signs. And I was like, I instantly burst into tears. We began to talk, and I began to let everything out. And she was like, I can't believe you've held this in for so long. And she was like, you have to get this out. This is how you heal. And so I was like, you know what, let me think about it. So I helped her with one of her fundraisers. And she gave me a job. And she was like, so I want you to announce at the end of the fundraiser, like all of the people that we know that have survived. And so I'm reading the names. The music is going nice. My name was at the end. I never knew. So I'm reading the names. And I read my name. And I looked at her. And she was like, read it. Read it. At this time, it's like we're around all of our friends. You know, we're amongst people they kind of guessed, kind of figured, never really knew. Everybody knows my nickname. Nobody ever really knew my real name. So when I said my name, she then takes the mic and says, it's Sharonda. It's her. And everybody just kind of looked like, wow. That kind of broke the ice. The floodgates kind of opened up. Um, I got a little bit more comfortable speaking with certain people. You know, still not everybody, but, you know, I kind of eased myself into it. Um, and then I devised this awareness type of mindset with her. And so now it's like on Tuesdays, it's still Tuesday. Discuss facts. We post different um, cervical cancer things, ovarian cancer things. I did a talk with uh, Dr. Rita Nanda who's actually a, a gyne-on doctor at the UFC. We did a, a Getting in the Know uh, in 2019. So we did a talk. We kind of do so. I'm like a neighborhood advocate around the UFC area. And so that, again, helped me to open up, to talk, um, to heal, to really heal. And I needed that. I definitely needed that. And I didn't know that I needed that. I didn't, I didn't know that I needed that, but... If, I think had she and I had not had that conversation. And it's so crazy. God puts people in your life for per, a particular reason. She and I weren't enemies, but we weren't like besties. We was like, oh, hey, you know, that type of deal. He brought us together. Because otherwise we would have never, we would have never came together for anything. And so with that, I was like, wow. And she just, ne she just doesn't even know how instrumental she was in that. And so now is, I mean, I'm not 
broadcasting it to everybody. I still have my moments. I still, like, I was so nervous, you know, to do this. But I'm like, you know what? This has got to be part of my healing. This has got to be, you know, for me to come out and say this because it's still very personal. People don't understand. It's very personal. So when people, you know, when we have our patients and they come, it's like, well, she won't talk or he won't say. You have to let them be within themselves right now. You have to let them, you know, kind of be to themselves. And it's not that, you know, they're selfish. It's not that they don't want to be bothered. It's just kind of, they just have to deal with it for themselves, you know, before they can come out and say, hey, this is me. This is what's going on with me. If you can't deal with it yourself, if you don't know within you, how are you going to deal with it? Because what if I decided not to fight? What if I decided, you know what? Hey, screw it. If it's going to get me, it's going to get me. And then you have people, well, why you, why you didn't tell me? Why didn't you fight? But that's not for that other person to decide. You can't tell somebody how to deal with what they're dealing with. And so for me, it was, I don't want anybody to tell me what I should do. I don't want anybody telling me, oh, well, you should have did this. No, it's for me to decide what I need to do and what I want to do for me. And being the baby of six, I've always been told what to do. Always been told, oh, you the baby, you got to do this, you got to I'm a grown-up, so I have to make grown-up decisions for me. And so I, I made that decision. And, again, now, years later, I realized, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to do that alone. I do have people that love me and care about me and would have been there for me. But, you know, you don't, when you don't trust people, you have trust issues. And when you have, you never want somebody to say, oh, I helped her do this or I helped him do that. You always worry about people in your business, about doing this and then the other, but not from the goodness of their heart. And when you have that, you're very skeptical about people. And so you're like, well, you know what, let me just deal with this, and then I'll figure it out, you know, on the back end. Whatever I got to do, I'll figure it out. And so that's kind of how it was. I was like, well, let me deal with this. If people find out later, people find out later. If they don't, they don't. I'm perfectly fine, and I can do this. And I did it. And some days I sit here and I wonder how. And all I can say is, God, that's it. No, no other way would it have happened. No other way would I have survived. No, no, no other way. He is the only way. He's the only reason. I can thankfully say, um, have been in remission. I'm happy to talk to people. Working in radiation oncology now, um, I now I know what my purpose is. And so now, when patients come and we have those young ladies that are scared, those young ladies that are fearful, that have those babies that don't know what to tell them, or those gentlemen that come in that don't know how to tell their families, I've been there. So I can sit down and say, you know what? You don't have to do this by yourself. It's your choice, but you don't have to. But at the same time, you have to give that person that. You can't make them talk to you. And I explain to the families, you know, when he won't do this, he won't. You can't make them do, just be there, be there. They may not want to talk. They might not want to do anything, but just be there. So what do you do? Just be there with them. Just the fact that they know that you're there means everything. I have people that will call me. I can call check up on you. That's all I want nothing. To know that somebody cares enough to say, hey, I'm here for whatever. To talk, laugh, cry, if you need a hug, if you, you know, you want to go shoe shop, just whatever, just, but I'm here. 
a lot of times people don't understand that a, a listening ear is everything. It's everything. I just thank God that, you know, he He spared me. I'm going to put you through this situation, but this is for my bigger plan for you. It's going to be rough, but stay with me. Stay with me. This this is gonna this is gonna be something bigger for you. And it's so crazy because I've been at the hospital, it'll be twenty years in April. And I always think, oh I'm gonna find a new job, go somewhere else. He always reminds me, Nope. I put you here for a reason and I put you here for a purpose. So you stay right here until I'm ready for you to move. When I'm ready for you to move, I'm gonna put you somewhere and you ain't gonna have no doubt. This is where you're supposed to be. So one of the things that one of the doctors I work with now, we go out and find funding for testings, for surgeries, for um, different treatments, for whatever they need, whether it's a caregiver, um, find them insurance for rides for appointments, all these types of things that they probably don't even know that exist out there. So many companies write off so much money a year. So you would be amazed at how many companies well, a lot, $10,000 for what? For these eight people to have a hysterectomy. They don't write it off. She's got what she's needed. She's healthy. You saved somebody's life. So it's, it's out there, but they don't know. So I'm happy to do that. I think I'm going to love that. I think I'm going to love it. What was your process of telling your mother? Because you said your mom came to be with you. What led you to decide to tell your mom? I, my, I'm, a, I'm a daddy's girl. Me and my dad were super, super close. When he passed away, my mom and I got tighter. Like we had a relationship, but it was nothing compared to what we have now. And she and I would talk every day. Uh, every morning or every afternoon or every evening, she and I would talk. And so it got our conversations uh, kind of lessened a little bit. So there would be some days where I didn't talk to her. And I went like a whole week without talking to her. And so she left me this message. She was like, if you don't call me tonight, I'm coming to Chicago. And I called her. Little did I know whether I called her or not, she was on her way. And so when I called her that night, she didn't answer the phone. So the next morning, I was doing something. It was a Saturday. And I was doing something at the time I was living in an apartment on the second floor doorbell ring. And I'm like, oh, I looked up the budget, 10 o'clock, because everybody know I know most times don't get up until 9, 10 o'clock on Saturdays. It's her. It's my mom. She was here. And she was like, yep. That's how I called you last night. She said, no, it's too late then. I'm in. And so she came upstairs and she looked around and she looked at one of the bottles and she looked at just the, you know, the surroundings. And she was like, okay, so what's going on? What's this for? What's this for? And I told her, and I, I really think she was really angry with me at first because she was like, like, you didn't say anything. You didn't tell me. You, 
You went a whole week and didn't say nothing to me, you know. And I didn't want to scare her. Because I'm like, I could do this by myself. I'm a, I'm a grown-up, you know. I'm a big girl. But then she understood. And then she was like, I had an extra bedroom. So she's like, let me take my stuff back in. Because I ain't leaving. She's like, I ain't leaving. So um, she stayed about a month and a half. And um, I think it definitely got us tighter. She was like, I don't care if you're 50. And something happened. I'm here. And so she... Um, she cooked for me. She slept in the bed with me. She did everything. Mama. And you said you had, thank God you didn't have any really bad days. Did you have any side effects to radiation or chemo? I didn't have quote-unquote, bad, bad days. There was never, and I thank God, because there was not a day where I would say, you know, when I'm stuck in bed, I'm just going to lay here. That was the typical nausea. It was the typical tiredness. Um, like my hair thinned, it didn't come out. Um, I had my self-pity days. Had some days where, you know, I was just like, leave me alone. Had some days where I was sick. Had some days where I was like, I don't want to be bothered. I mean, you're entitled to that. You have your feelings. You can, you know, you can feel doubt. You can feel fear. You can feel however way you want to feel. Nobody should ever tell you, oh, no, you should get up. You No, 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 no. Entitled to feel however way you need to feel to get through what you need to get through. That is for you. That's what you need. I cut my hair, and I, there was an older lady that I was really close with. She noticed right away. She came up to the job and was like, hey, what's going on with you? This ain't how you operate. This is not how you, you know, you don't not talk to me for weeks. You know, ain't nobody seen you. Ain't nobody heard from you. This is not you. Um, and so she was the first person I told. And we talked and she was like, you do know that you don't have to do this by yourself. And I was like, well, I need to handle it. Do you think we are more silent about cancer in the Black community? And if so, why? Should we change that or you just have to let people come around? Um, I definitely think people should change that um, because with more knowledge and more information, you never know what could happen. If you stay quiet, you don't know. You don't, you know, nobody can help you. Nobody can um, assist you. Nobody can tell you um, what's going on now? Like, if you still, if you're still thinking in these archaic ages as to um, there's no help, there's no this, and this, I've just got to sit here and, and do it. No, there's new modern technology. There's new things that are going on, new education, new researches. Today, almost everything is treatable. Like as opposed to back 20, 30 years ago. But it was like, no, just they sent you home and you had these meds and you want to, you know. Now, no, no, it's so much more. There's a stigma. Oh, she's sick. You can't catch it by touching people. You can't catch it by hugging on somebody. You you, you can't do that. But I think um, we as a people are so hung up on those types of things. And, oh, you know, I keep it to myself. That's my problem. That's my issue. It's not, though. And it doesn't have to be. 
the more we open up about it, the more we talk about it, the more we get it out there, the more people we can help. So what's your advice for women having experienced what you experienced? What health advice do you have for them when it comes to cervical cancer awareness? Get tested. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but two seconds compared to life altering or life ending, totally worth it. That's what I would say. So, how did you get the name Sunshine? It's so crazy because a patient gave me that name, Sunshine. Like, he would come in in the morning for his treatment because I was always one of the first ones to come in. So it would be like early bird, like 7 o'clock. He'd walk in, hey, Sunshine. I'm like, hey. You know, so it, it just, it stuck. It stuck with me. And um, years later, he passed away. I went away to visit my mom for the holidays. They had stopped by while I was gone. Um, when I came back, he had been admitted. And my coworker was like, hey, your friend stopped by. So I went, and the wife was like, hey, baby. I was like, hey. And she was like, he ain't doing good. And I was like, well, let me just go in and say hi. He had been suffering from a little dementia. So wasn't anticipating the, you know, the jovial way he had always been. Um, but when I walked in, he looked up, and he was like, hey, sunshine. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I just was not prepared for that. And so um, we laughed. And he was like, how's your mom? You know, I know you. We came out to see you. You weren't there. You were going to see mom. I said, yeah. But I'm like, how are you? Like, what you, what's going on? Like, this was not in our plan, you know. You were supposed to get better. We was going to meet at the bar somewhere. We, you weren't coming back here. We laughed and talked like that. And so he was like, well, he was like, baby, this old body. You know, he was like, I think I'm done. And I was like, you sure? And he was like, yeah. I mean, he was in his 80s now. He was like, I've lived a good life. I've, I'm a kid's grown. I've done everything that I think I'm supposed to do. You know, I just felt so sad. By this time, I'm sitting on the bed, and he's just rubbing my hand. And so his wife had come in. She was like, yeah, he had to come see his sunshine. We came back to see you. And all of a sudden, his hand, his fingers stopped. You know, on my hand. And I looked over, and she was just like, baby, he gone. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, my God. And she was like, it's okay. She said he fought a long time. And she said, and, you know, he was ready. He got all, he had all his stuff in order. You know, he had told them, hey, this is what I want. He, he was ready. She said, he's ready. And she said, you can cry. She said, I didn't cry. Everybody, she said, you can. She said, but it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, I, I just, I just cried. And I said, she said, no, he wanted to see you. She's like, he waited to see you. 
She said, had you been there when we came to see you, he probably would be gone already. And so when I have those moments, when I have those times, I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you. Because imagine if I wasn't there, if he had never met me. You know, and they were just like, you know, she was like, thank you for everything. Like, every day when we came in, you always greeted us with a smile. You know, anytime he was being cantankerous, you always got him together. She was like, you always fuss when he needed fussing that. She was like, the ladies downstairs took such good care of him. You know, the great nurses and everybody. She's like, everybody was just wonderful. She was like, we couldn't have asked for a better care team. And she was just like, it was just a moment in time that when you find out you have to go through these things, you want to have people that care about you to take care of you. Not somebody that comes in for a job, but for somebody to actually care. That was one of my most memorable because it was just so touching. It was just so um, life-altering. It really was because I think those was one of those moments where I was like, okay, maybe I do make a difference. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and that is why it was so important to us to have someone like Miss Sherlanda Jones on the show. I first met Sherlanda when I began my radiation oncology residency at the University of Chicago. Every morning, you would walk in, and she'd be there at the front desk saying, here's the sunshine. I had a whole community of aunties looking out for me while I went through a demanding but fulfilling residency. And I just want to recognize Darlene, Sharlanda, Gina, Pat, Tahari, Gloria, Denise, and there are so many others. If I haven't mentioned your name, it's not because I'm not grateful. It has been over 10 years since I began residency in Chicago. And unfortunately, my memory is not quite as sharp as it used to be. When I heard about Sherlanda's journey, I was shocked because I hadn't really realized it during residency. Hearing her talk about her journey from diagnosis through trying to get treatment secretly and then finally embracing her identity as a cervical cancer survivor and advocate just makes me so happy. It is very important for us to share this information. One of the most important things to know about cervical cancer is that it can be caught early. And the earlier it's caught, the more likely it is to be cured through treatment. The way we can detect cervical cancer early, sometimes even before there's truly cancer, is through the pap test. This is an exam that involves your healthcare provider placing a brush inside the cervix, which is basically the bottom of your uterus, also called your womb. 
So starting at the age of 21, all women should undergo a pap test every three years. Now, when you're in the ages 30 to 65, if there is something called HPV testing added, you can then spread your testing to every five years. The reason we are checking for HPV, something called the human papilloma virus, is that this virus is really quite common and it increases your risk of developing cervical cancer. It also increases your risk of cancers like those in your throat or in the anal region. If you are older than 65, we currently don't recommend that you undergo these pap tests or HPV testing. However, I will tell all the women listening to this that even if you're over 65 and you notice some symptoms of cervical cancer, you should go in. What are these symptoms? First, bleeding. If you have already gone through menopause, you're no longer having periods, and all of a sudden, you start bleeding, that might be a sign of cervical cancer. For younger women, you might notice that you're spotting or bleeding heavily in between your periods. Another possible symptom of cervical cancer is pain in your lower back or in your pelvic area. Also, if you notice that you're having pain during sex and you were not before, that could be indicative of an issue like cervical cancer. So definitely get yourself checked out by your um, healthcare provider if you discover any of these things. The final thing I want to talk about is something called the human papillomavirus vaccine. Now, what does a vaccine do? It prevents illness or decreases the severity of illness. In the case of the human papillomavirus or HPV vaccine, it decreases your risk of developing diseases, most importantly, cervical cancer. It's recommended that children begin receiving these shots for the vaccine at the age of nine, but you can receive the shots up until the age of 26. That's when they are most effective between the ages of nine and 26. I want to encourage all our listeners to ask questions. If you have symptoms that are concerning, if you're interested in getting the HPV vaccine, please discuss it with your healthcare provider. This January Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, I urge all of you to share with at least one person what you've learned through our show. For more information about our podcasts, visit our website, www.theonconcdocs.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple. And if you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple. This podcast was produced by Steve A. Williams. Again, I am Dr. Onyfoli Balogun. And I am Dr. Onyine Balogun. And, and we, we are, are the Ankh Docs. Docs.